Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Hometown Glory, your Spurs and Culture podcast. I'm Charlie, and tonight we have Billy T, finally back off his big school trip. We have Ash, we have Rosa, and we have Tom, which means we have a full house for the first time in a couple of weeks um, to talk through this momentous situation that we are experiencing. Um, Tottenham Hotspur are this close. It's Tuesday night as we record, and I think most of us find ourselves in a slightly bizarre mood, sort of euphoric sort of terrified but ultimately that's two million percent better than i think we were all fearing we'd feel the morning after newcastle or arsenal um billy to you first my friend um i was just talking to a mate before we came on and he said had arsenal won last night he'd be utterly convinced we would thrash norwich on the weekend now of course he's sort of spiraling he's thinking about the infamous 5-1 defeat at st james's on the last day of the season and those other sort of utterly ridiculous Spursy moments that plague our history. You are going to tell me it's all going to be fine, right? Yeah, it is all going to be fine. I'm pretty sure. Um, I think what also really helps is this a draw is all right as well. I mean, if we lose to Norwich, then, you know, it is going to be absolutely embarrassing, but um, I just kind of feel like from the Burnley game, like we were sort of a much mature side. I know Conte mentioned a lot in his sort of um, post-match interviews and stuff about the mentality. Like we just seem a lot mature about things, and I have total faith in us that we'll be able to close it out. I mean, we haven't, we don't concede that many goals whatsoever. I think we've got back-to-back clean sheets from Arsenal and Burnley. Uh, conceded one goal against Liverpool. Um, yeah, it would just be such an incredible shock if we did manage to lose. But I'm fully, fully confident. I think you know we should really thrash them. Um, so yeah, be, I think we we'll have no problems there. Um, it's probably wise to do a temperature check across the group. Actually, um, Rosa, you next. Yeah, I just want to check: is this is this friend actually you, Charlie? <laughs> it's not. It's a friend at work. Um, I won't name that. I mean. I'm not going to lie, that is fairly, uh, it's sort of parallel to where I am as well. Um, I feel like 95% sure that we are now equipped to deal with these situations. And I feel like hopefully that kind of Conte, if you can't win, you don't lose vibe that the players all spoke about after the Brighton game and then seem to actually have kind of taken on since then. Hopefully that stuck. So yeah, I'm... Yeah, right. I wasn't. This is about you, though, Rosa, not me. Go yeah, on. yeah. Back to me. Um, <laughs> I feel. Yeah, I'm. I'm sort of similar. I feel with me. If if I if I take everything on its sort of objective face, and I look at just the sort of facts of the matter, and the players that we have, and the manager that we that we have, and the state of things, and how different it is compared to something like the Newcastle five one, when that team had 
massively exceeded its expectation, but had kind of reached for the moon and then come sort of crushingly short and were obviously completely devastated and just couldn't get over the line. Um, this feels very, very different. There's so much to play for still. And in a manager like mm. Conte, we've got someone who, who knows what to do. And so I think you're right, even with something like like the Brighton loss can end up being sort of useful in that it kind of taught them all a lesson and how to, yeah, not to, to lose a game if you can't win it. Um, so if I think about it sort of calmly and then I'm, then I'm okay, but then in my sort of quiet moments, I kind of allow myself to just sort of picture what it would, what it's going to feel like on the day and what, it might be like, say, if we haven't scored in like the first like 20 or 30 minutes. And or 80, wrong, 85 minutes. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and I feel kind of nauseous again. And it's that, it's the sort of reality and facts compared with just so many years of experience and heartbreak. So I feel like thrilled and euphoric and elated and also terrified, which is a pretty Tottenham place to be, I guess. It's, um, it's horribly familiar for a lot of us. Ash checking in with you next, my friend. Oh, I think, I think if you're, you're not really Spurs, if you don't think there's a way to like mess this up somehow. So it's mm. definitely possible. Um, but I think we're going to be good. I think we're going to be okay. Like, like everyone said, the team just looked like a different like animal now. And more importantly, like Arsenal just looked completely shell-shocked. Um, I, wa- yeah. I, think we all, I, watched, I think most of us watched the game last night. They were terrible. They should have lost by like four or five. I thought they were terrible at our place. And I just think like these atmospheres and like the pressure has got to like, and I think we mentioned this last week, the pressure's got to like both the players and the manager. Um, so regardless of what we do, like, I don't think it's a given that they're going to be like this Everton side and Everton are woeful, but I just don't think they're going to even get the result that they need to get to like see them over the line. So I think we're going to be good and like, yeah, it's going to be incredible if we do make it like Antonio's done like, an amazing job and yeah, I'm just buzzing. I'm so happy. It, um, it would be quite a sort of apt way to round off this ludicrous season if both Spurs and Arsenal lost on the last day of the season to Norwich and Everton. Um, Tom, rounding off our, our heat checks, what's, what's going on with you? How you doing, mate? Well, I was in a great mood uh, this morning, walking into the office, knowing there were Arsenal fans there, one of whom was just literally a week ago was so confident uh, that they were going to do it. Um, and I just keep, t- I just want it to be Sunday already and just to get it out of the way and just have the mm. season done and have 10 weeks or whatever it is with no stress. Uh, <laughs> um, well, no, there will be stress. I've got two young kids, but no football related <laughs> stress. <laughs> um, I just keep telling myself, look, Son can get the golden boot. Salah is injured. Kane want- is going to stay. You know, I don't think there's anywhere for him to go right now. He wants to play Champions League football. And I think literally just as we've started recording this pod, there's a Times article that's come out saying Conte's in line for £2.5 million if we qualify for the Champions League. So, yeah, I can remember that vividly, that fucking Newcastle game and how furious I was on a beautiful sunny day and they ruined it. Um but yeah, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling confident. I just want it done with. And then the stress is done. I can find all those Arsenal tweets that I wanted to like <laughs> and just relax and walk into the office with my head held high with no worries. It's going to be a beautiful thing. It truly, truly is. Um, now, we should probably spin back just a little if we're going to kind of recap um, this emotional few days. Uh Newcastle Arsenal, of course, wasn't the only sort of torturous match we've had to sit through in the last, like, I mean, it was only Sunday that Spurs played, which seems like about three weeks ago. Um, we were all there, I think, all five of us. Um, Billy, it was rough, but I kind of felt super proud of the team that they kind of ground it out. Um, you know, there, there was that ridiculous turnaround. Burnley had had all week to sort of prepare, and I think it showed they had a, they had a game plan and kind of nearly came off for him, I guess. How did, how did you see it? 
Yeah, you know, I thought it was a, a different kind of performance than the one we've seen lately, I think. Um, when you take into account the fact that Thursday night must have taken so much out of the players, like physically and mentally, like exhaust them, um, to come over and beat Burnley, um, which was a difficult game for sure. It, it was always going to be. That's what happens when you play these teams that are, you know, fighting for their lives at the bottom. Mm. Um, and it was just like, as I mentioned earlier, it was just like a real mature performance. Like, how things like Hugo Lloris, like, coming out and claiming crosses and then lying on the ball for, like, 30 seconds and stuff like that. It's those kind of things which you don't normally see from Tottenham, you know, don't normally see that kind of that kind of mature seeing out of a game like that. Um, we had a couple of wobbly moments, and it, you know, at times you're thinking, oh, God, they're going to score here. But I think overall, I was pretty calm. I mean, we created a lot of... Ch- Saw some like ridiculous things on on like talk sport and stuff saying that Burnley were the better team, which is in in no way true. Like we by far had the best chance of the game and controlled most of it. There's a couple of hairy moments, but there's always going to be. So yeah, yeah, I was really really pretty proud of like the mature mature side that Tottenham showed. To be honest, and like closing out the game. Um, Rosa, you and I sit pretty close to each other. I don't think the two of us were calm during the last four minutes um, of added time, particularly. Uh, but we did it. And is that a sign that hopefully come Sunday, they've now got that sort of performance under their belts and, you know, they can kind of hang tough in those difficult moments? Yeah, four minutes. My God, I feel like the last 10 minutes of normal time, I was like, I can't. I can't. Like, honestly, and I was like, there was a part of me that was like, I'm just, I might just go and like, wait, like, do, pull, up, pull a Wembley and like, wait for you all outside. So I was like, I physically can't watch this. It was absolutely vile. Um, I think, like, because obviously not just having played Arsenal, but like Liverpool as well, the mm. weekend before, those were That's two- a really good point huge games that took absolutely everything out of the team like even with the fact that Conte was able to like take um to some people off early on Thursday night um it it was it was a lot and that and the early kickoff and I felt really pleased that we started very strongly like it wasn't a sort of horrible kind of sleepwalking um Brighton performance um like they looked immediately like they wanted to win it but uh, we we knew it went pretty much exactly as I think we all thought it was going to go. Even if we were going to get the win, it was always going to be a pretty sort of grubby, grisly, like let's just kind of snatch whatever goal we can and and get the fuck out of here. Um, Like watching them, I was like, I can't, like how have we managed to put, like I feel like weren't our last like two home games against them, like a nine nil aggregate or something. I still can't really believe that actually happened. But I guess it wasn't at this stage of the season. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they didn't have the same things to play for. Um, but I do feel, without if I, if I took my own sort of stress out of it, I think Billy's exactly right. It was a very um, kind of professional, mature performance. And I really do feel like the one thing that gives me, that, that makes me calm is I feel like Conte's just not going to let them fuck this up, basically. And uh, I just, I don't know if you guys have had this before. I had it on uh, Saturday or Sunday. Um, I just want to shout out people that, you know, in stoppage time, when it's like four minutes to go, you know, when they get their phone out and start the stopwatch, because there's like no idea of how long's left. And you get one person in the crowd who's got like their phone stopwatch and was going, how long's left? It's been like 20 seconds. It feels like there's been four minutes. How long's left now? And it's like, you just literally asked me three seconds ago. That, that four minutes is like the longest four minutes. But it was my brother was the iPhone stopwatch guy. I had this game, like literally like people in the rows is like holding it up to everyone. Three minutes gone. What four minutes gone? And like, when, when the final whistle went, it was like elation. Like the whole, it was like tuning another goal. It was wicked. Yeah, sick. Um, but yeah, I just want to shout out everyone in the crowd that gets their phone and starts to stopwatch out injury time because that's a great public service. <laughs> That was me. I, for the first time I did it, you can see mine, I let it go up to two hours, 11 minutes and 54 seconds before I remembered that I'd left it running. Um, but that's basically also, how long it was anyway, so... It felt, it felt like that. Um, Ash, you're normally the sort of most chill out of all of us, I reckon, in these situations. How, how relaxed were you? No, I, I, for the first time ever, did the stopwatch. <laughs> I've, I've never done it before and I, I did it and... Any cross that came in the box, I, I just looked up at the ground. I like couldn't even look at the... I, honestly, I was like a complete mess. I was counting down the minutes from like 59. Well, we like, started the half so... I mean, you know, I, I do agree. I think we definitely had the better chances. You know, Son had two really, really excellent yeah. attempts that Pope saved brilliantly, I thought. 
but we came out and just didn't get going for like a good 10 almost 15 minutes then sort of got our way back into it but yeah you knew from like 80 minutes onwards we were basically just going to like camp ourselves sort of on the edge of our area and sort of hold on for grim life yeah i, I was really worried and um, like the only it, the cane goal was the first goal i missed like i i had to go to the toilet i was like completely desperate and like ran to the toilet at half time and the only positive was that i met billy for the first time oh um, there we go yeah so i missed the cane goal but i did meet billy um which was maybe last. that was like a it was a cosmic sort of happening that ensured that something amazing would happen for spurs when you two finally met and we got given a really soft VAR goal. So that was, that was excellent. <laughs> yeah, on that. Can, and I, I find I was also in the like concourse at um, half time as well. And then like, I just heard this big cheer. So everyone like legged it back. And I was like, I must have been about 40 people just sort of watching it in like the archway between 257. It's like everyone just go mental on the stairs. It's so good. But uh, yeah, it's so good to finally meet Ash. We've been to so many games together, but just never actually met each other. So yeah, that's sick. Billy, I did exactly the same as you, where I was queuing uh, for the bar. Obviously, there was no neck oil. There were no Beavertown beers. It was just Guinness. And as I was queuing, they've got the screens behind the bar, and it changed to say VAR check, handball. And the, the VAR check seemed to go on forever. And then, yeah, legged it and watched it, like, literally in the sort of gangway. Um, but the, to be honest, my view was better because I was on the lower the lower level so and i uh, enjoyed that that second half i felt so so sick the entire time um and Lloris and shouts to the goalkeepers because Lloris and pope were both really good mm. made a couple of great saves and unfortunately Lloris had to had to make a couple and on the stopwatch thing usually i my mate linton obviously he does it for every game big up linton like, fuck's sake and it drives me mad usually but for this <laughs> game i was like okay do it and then, Charlie, I was in the pub with you when you realised your stopwatch was still going. And I, that was the point at which you pulled it out of your pocket and it said two hours from, the, from extra time. And I was like, oh, shit, I'd better get home to my wife and, wife and kids because it's been it's two hours since the game ended. Although that end of season awards thing did go on for quite a while. I feel like we should do a mini recap of uh, our favourite moments, sort of Oscar red carpet style um, on the... Uh, end of season bit but Ash go on anything else from the game uh, I just wanted to shout out Kane because that penalty was perfect mm. and, I, and and someone posted like something on Twitter either today or yesterday just talking about like he's had like 31 penalties or something like that and he scored 28 and one of them that he missed like he scored the rebound and the other one he missed was against Liverpool when he scored like a minute later when we got like another pen. And one he um, missed, he like slipped. So I always feel like, yeah, is that, yeah, is that yeah. our fault if they slip over? I don't know. It kind of is, I guess. Yeah. But. But he honestly, scored 21 in a row, man. It's ridiculous. Yeah. But did you think it was, because from our, from our angle, I genuinely thought it was about to go wide. Mm. And then I saw so in the corner. It was, just, it was. Yeah. So I guess it was perfect. But from my angle, I was like, that's way too close for comfort. It was very similar, that penalty, I thought. Um, to do you remember the one he scored when we beat Arsenal 2 0 in the last exactly, derby at yeah. White Hart Lane? And Czech didn't dive then either, and um, Pope didn't dive because it was just like, it's two in the corner. Like, what am I supposed to do? Like, there's no point in me diving. Um, just perfection. But they kind of look like they're scuffed. But it's just how he's so confident that he's going to like just drag it into the corner that he can, he can do that. It's mad. Uh, just a question for you guys because I saw some people talking about this on Twitter. Um, Imagine like we're one nil up against Norwich or something like that, and we get a penalty. Should Kane give it to Son? On Son, I saw a few people like saying that he should have done it against Burnley, which I don't agree with whatsoever. No, no way. Um, I can't think there's any if, fan that wants like no. anyone other than Kane to take a penalty <laughs> for Tottenham. Yeah. That's madness. He's the best penalty taker in the league and probably the world. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I would need it to be. I'd need it to be at least three 0 I think personally. I, I think yeah. even Son. There was a Son quote. I think like in the last couple of days saying that like Kane's the best penalty taker in the world. And like, he just looks at the net because he just like knows it's going in. So mm. on cut, no, absolutely not. That's just crazy. That's mad. We think, um, I mean, it's, it's too hard to predict if Son's going to do it. I, I think I read that Salah might play in the last league game as well, maybe, but uh, anyway, yeah, he is. any, if any tied, more, if it's tied, do they get, they both get one each? Do they just give it. I, 
Although they should take off Salah's penalty, so that's yeah. how it should work. Agreed. But he's definitely two, going to play. Two to tie, three to win, right? At the moment. I think it's one to tie. No, one he's to tie. Oh, sick. Oh, can... oh, sick. And he might rest Salah because, you know, mm. it's all about the Champions League for them. Nah, Liverpool have just won 2-1, so they have to win the last game. So he'll, he'll play. I yeah, think. he'll play, I think. Because they've got a bit of a break. Do they have a break before the Champions League final? A week. Okay. Six days, yeah. Um, the only other the only other thing from Burnley I wanted to shout out was Sess. I think he got man of the match. Um, and just another really solid sort of you know, performance. You can see his confidence growing. Um, I know Billy and Ashley both were like massive fans of his um, his performance against Arsenal as well. And, you know, he's had a week basically where he kind of locked up Salah then Saka and um, you know I guess sort of Dwight McNeil's not quite the same assignment perhaps but I thought he yeah he's just looking like a proper wing back now isn't he I just think the timing of it is so crucial as well like we said before he's such a confidence player um, and to have like a string of three really good games in a row man a match you'd imagine he'll have a pretty decent game against Norwich like going into summer that's so huge he's going to have a full Conte pre-season he's pretty much nailed down the left wing's back spot um, where we could have been looking to maybe buy a new starter so I think I think the timing could not be better um, and I think we're going to see a really really big season for him next year as well I'm really really happy for him it's just such a good story because he's someone you know who's been through a lot um, <clears throat> I was listening to Rule the Roost earlier today actually and they were talking about how kind of got forgotten about that he went to Germany like during a lockdown um, he started off by going on there on his own and then his, I think his missus joined him eventually uh, um, but that must have been difficult he's not had the easiest time at Spurs so I'm really really happy that he sort of turned it around and he's still so young as well he's got so much more to give um, yeah so I'm absolutely thrilled for him to be honest I think it's a really good end of season story very quick shout out to Dav as well um, because I think uh, as Rosa was saying like we kind of had to ride our luck in that game, didn't we? It, it like it came so soon after Arsenal. Kulu had a stomach bug, so we had to play Lucas. Dav came in for two massive games, um, and yeah, he, he was really good. I thought um, he did really well coming in like at the last minute against Arsenal, and then and then against Burnley as well. And we need we needed him to step up with Romero out. Yeah, I'm so pleased with Dav as well. And I, um, but I definitely now I know that that right side, you can have two out of those three, but you cannot have all three at the same time because it's, <laughs> it's just too much chaos. So I think Lucas was actually quite decent um, for Lucas. He made like, he pretty much like his, the chance that he created led to the penalty pretty much. Right. Yeah. And yeah. he was causing them sort of like bother, but he just, he doesn't have a final ball unless his final ball is a shot and then a goal like that. That's or a, or a kind of ricochet. Like that's, yeah. that's his final ball really. That's the best he can do. Yeah. He can't do it and that's fine. And he is what he is. Um, but it just means that it's, it's way too chaotic down the right side, even with the massive, massive improvement um, from Emerson and Dav. It's just, you can't have all three of them playing at the same time. So hopefully we won't have that again on Sunday, but yeah, I'm like, Seth is amazing as well. He's like, he, what, he's still like 21. And I had forgotten that about him going to Germany as well. And I feel like, you know, if the amount of, like it was weird, wasn't it? Kind of watching them all kind of um, do the, the lap of honour at the end. And, you know, loads of them have children, but you're like, these are still such young guys. And to kind of have to experience that before you've even turned 21 is just a lot. And to cope mm. with all of that pressure, I feel kind of weirdly proud of Cess, I think. And I'm just, and also, you know, I'm quite delighted that we don't have to um, see Reggion very much anymore either. So that's an extra <laughs> bonus. <laughs> um, I think if all goes well, you'll be probably listening to this on the day it comes out, if you're an avid hometown Gloria, um, which is Wednesday, which is Cess's birthday as well. Um, he and I share a birthday. Uh, he turns 22 on the 18th on Wednesday and I very much do not turn 22. <laughs> uh, speaking of wingbacks, Billy, um, we've been talking for like 20 minutes and you've not mentioned your Lord and Saviour, Mr. Uh, Emerson Royale. What's going on? 
Yeah, do you know what? It's because it's a bit of a, um, a sad subject. I don't know if you've seen today, a couple of hours ago, he sort of posted like the finale version of an Emerson comp. It's not really much of a compilation. It's more like a, he sort of used it as like a farewell video to the stadium, um, as like an end of season one, which is quite sad, really, because it could well be the last one we ever see um, of him. But it's a, it's um, just a like short 30 second one where he's saying like, goodbye, guys, see you in 22, 23. And it kind of made me a bit emotional, not on like a serious level, because um. And we started off talking about these things as like a joke and like, you know, they were sort of when he was sort of getting like substitute appearances for like uh, 10 minutes, he was still making combination out of them. But like the last few games, he's actually been pretty decent. He was pretty decent again. He had that shot uh, in the first half, which does make the compilation, by the way, of course. Um, <laughs> which we, we, I honestly thought that was in. And if that had gone in, honestly, I think that would have been like my season highlight. So, um, so again, yeah. and I, I just think it's kind of symptomatic of, having a manager like Antonio Conte that we keep talking about these player turnarounds. Um, it's happened to Dohoti, it's happened to Cessna, it's happened to Emerson. It's not a coincidence that these players are like turning it around. It's because we have like arguably the best player improvement coach in the world. So yeah, I think that kind of summarised it all for me that um, yeah, it's just like the, the probably the last Emerson compilation that we're going to get. It's been a journey this year. Hope to see them next year as well. Um, I still think we should do like a live screening of all of them back to back if we do see your top four. <laughs> Uh, maybe back to back with the Arsenal all or nothing. Maybe do a whole screening of both those things. Um, but yeah, it's going to be sad to see the last one, but make sure you watch it because it is, it is really good. We could right. charge like West End theatre prices for that, man. <laughs> so, like 450 quid a pop. Billy doing I just really wish that commentary. went in. Imagine, imagine if that had gone in. Imagine the scenes. It is remarkable. Like he has become like a function, like maybe functional is not really the right word when talking about Emerson Royale, but his like, sort of chaotic nature has become sort of I don't know like a big positive in how we play almost it's like teams don't know what to do with him a bit well interestingly that Times report that just dropped uh, on Tuesday into Wednesday um, it does say that he's one that Conte still wants to get rid of apparently wants eight players out um, including Regalon and and uh, Emerson, but I'm sure we'll chat maybe on a, a sort of season finale or something about who can stay and who can go. Yeah, I think it's. I think you're right, Billy, in that it. I think you can definitely tell because he's the only right wing back fit and available. You can tell that Conte's clearly, perhaps wearily, and perhaps um, not with an awful lot of uh, hope to begin with. But he clearly has. He's just had to spend so much time on him. And I think this is the same as Cess, right? As soon as Regalon sort of got whatever injury he's got and it was just the two of them that were fit and available, you can just tell that like they've had so much sort of personal attention from Conte that he's just kind of spruced them up beyond all recognition. And uh, just while we're on Bernie, I just want to also shout out, um, I don't know if you guys saw before the game, uh, THFC Flags, which is a Twitter account. Uh, make sure you go and follow and support them because they're like a fan-led movement that are sort of um, aimed at improving the atmosphere in the ground. And I thought, you know what, for a 12 o'clock kickoff, it was pretty decent. Um, mm. And I think it's, it's a good base to build on now. Like we've had the Arsenal game where it was like insane, obviously, um, like the circumstance. I don't think that would be repeated. Like that was like a once in a sort of generation type deal that we're going to play them just before, uh, you know, on the verge of finishing top four and the first one back after all this time and all that kind of stuff all fell into like this incredible situation. But, you know, I thought it was pretty good against Burnley again. Um, and I thought the flags looked decent as well. They've had eight flags in the South Stand, I think. Um, they've got like a couple of like go GoFundMe things for like, you know, putting it again into next season and getting bigger and better. And I know they've got plans to have more flags in the South Stand and, and bigger flags and more colourful flags and all those kind of things. So I just want to shout out the work that they're doing because it's just like a group of fans um, that the mm. club are on board with. Um, and I think it was a really, really good start. I know that Romero has been tweeting about the flag and stuff like that. And it made like... Argentina he tweeted news. at you, Billy. You're yeah. very modest. He tweeted at you. Yeah, that, yeah, and he, um, yeah, he we're gonna get that uh, frame for your birthday. <laughs> I am literally gonna get that framed. Yeah, <laughs> and um, yeah, so we just want to shout out those guys because they're doing really good work, and also the work that um, uh, Spurs Songs Twitter account is doing as well, because I think we've seen this big improvement in charts and flags, mm. etc. And I'm, we need to carry on because you see the players talking about it, you see Conte talking about it, and it's literally been a huge factor in us hopefully finishing the top four, um, both in our own stadium, which I'm sure we're going to talk about in a minute, and the Newcastle Stadium too. It makes a huge difference to the players. So we just got to carry it on to this next season and really make this our home now, I think, which I think good signs are there that we're starting to do that finally. We, we touched on this in our sort of emergency post-Derby podcast, but I mean, that Arsenal game in so many ways was just like a big 
sliding doors moment. And I think for the stadium specifically, right? I mean, if you think about just how toxic I think our relationship with that place could have become had we watched Arsenal grab, you know, fourth with two games to go in front of us in our stadium versus what, you know, we're on the brink of seeing happen now. I mean, it's extraordinary what's what's happened in the last few days, um, which kind of moves us on nicely to talking about Newcastle Arsenal briefly, which I suppose we should. And I guess we should just be incredibly, and I'm loath to use this word when talking about Newcastle, but thankful that thankful to their fans for like being so into it in what was essentially a bit of a meaningless game for them. But, you know, from the kind of TIFO stuff to the atmosphere that they created, I mean, it was almost as though they, I'm, you know, I'm sure they would have created it without any help from us, but they must have seen the, the, the atmosphere at, at ours last week and thought, okay, this is like a shortcut to rattling an Arsenal team that clearly doesn't have an awful lot to, to cope with it. Yeah, I think that's true. And it's really weird because I always feel like they're, these guys are, you know, professionals and they play in all kinds of atmospheres and how can it really affect them that much? But like it obviously does. And the atmosphere... Um, at White Hart Lane last Thursday, like obviously rattled those Arsenal mm. players massively and they couldn't cope and they lost their heads. Um, slightly unfortunate to be talking about losing your heads in the context of Newcastle, I guess. But <laughs> the same thing happened um, last night, I think. They just, they absolutely couldn't cope with it. And it was so interesting as well to, I didn't, so I didn't watch the game, but I was essentially checking my phone like what every two minutes out in sort of terror. Um but then I kind of caught up with all of the commentary afterwards and and watching kind of Neville and Carragher analyse Arsenal's performance and the way they talked about them basically being, like, they didn't know how to play. Um, they were both like, I don't know how, like, what Arsenal's plan was really. Like, mm. they obviously, they, w- they wanted to kind of play their usual way, but they were basically too afraid to play out from the back. And it's so interesting slash amazing and hilarious to watch it happen to another team because I feel like that's happened to us so many times in the past. We've had the way we wanted to play and we've absolutely choked under the pressure and we've watched Mm. our team do that, right? We've watched them go, oh, we don't, we have this way we play, but now we're too frightened to do it. And we try and play out from the back and we get some pressure back and then we don't know what we're doing and we choke. And I loved watching it happen to Arsenal. It was just so, so, so delightful. And also talking about another sliding doors moment, um, Ollie said to me today that Leicester game, origin- the one that we won um, in like ridiculous, like right at the last minute with um, Bergwijn's goal of the season, that would have originally been like three days after the North London derby. And like, would we, have, would we have won that game? Would we have had the legs to win that game after the North London derby? Uh, so, no, I think so. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> sure. exactly. So, I am. Um, I was struck by like just thinking about why it does seem like there is this spate of massive, massive kind of atmospheric performances that are rattling oppositions. And I, I was thinking, like, I guess that particularly for Arsenal, who do have a lot of younger players, they just simply have not played in front of fans for the majority of their career, right? Let alone hostile crowds. So. You know, think about a kind of Rose Smith or a um, or a Saka or even Martinelli. Like these are guys that, by and large, have come to the fore playing in front of empty stadiums and you know smatterings of fans. Let alone sort of rabid Tottenham fans and you know mad Newcastle fans going absolutely bonkers. Um, so yeah, I, I wonder if that had something to do with it. I think that's also a fan thing, though, isn't it? As well, we've got pent up sort of uh emotion after after covid um stay fans haven't had a chance to kind of go mad i guess newcastle fans haven't had a lot to be happy about under mike ashley and um for us that was bizarre that it was five years until our first proper north london derby and there was so much pent-up emotion in that so it's um yeah it's good to see and it's been great to absolutely Rinse some Arsenal fans uh, today and watch them kind of argue amongst themselves a lot, both in real life and on social media. Yeah, and I love the way um, Gary Neville basically like attributed their 
Newcastle's win to our fans, which was brilliant. He basically said that it was so rattled from Thursday night um, that it kind of bled into the game. And that was kind of the reason why they were so bad. And he made another really interesting point was if the game had been in January, um, even if we'd have won that game, they'd have then had half a season to sort of get over it. Whereas now they sort of, the, the, the fallback from us like destroying them um, has sort of, cause them to lose the you know the, the fatal game basically which will hopefully end up being the fatal game um so i think it's even more sweet that that sort of ridiculous crying off in one covid case is what is eventually back come back to bite them in a huge huge way um it couldn't really be a, any more perfect scenario for us really and also if you think back to that game in january like, we were pretty terrible back then anyway mm. um like we didn't have benton Curl, we didn't have kudasevsky romero would have been injured someone would have been injured um, I, I just, I don't know, I, I just can't see us even back. I know Arsenal had a, their own injuries, but we just weren't anywhere near as good as the team we are now. So it's just such a sweet moment that that has come back to haunt them. I think, you know, it's the kind of thing that would usually happen to us. So it's just, it's just perfection, really. Um, Ash, I know you watched the game last night. What was your, was there a moment where you kind of were convinced that Arsenal were going to chuck it away? Um... I mean, like Newcastle were all over them from the beginning. So mm. you always have that fear with Arsenal that they're going to like pop up and do something like and score like two last minute goals or something really ridiculous. But they never... Which they've done. Like they did against Wolves at home this season. Right? Yeah. Which is, I, was, I was always scared was going to be the game that sort of got them forth, really. But. Agreed. But like genuinely, like I don't think they're very good. I don't think Arteta is very good. And... I think like that's just showed off the course of the season. This is the easiest run for fourth that I think any team's ever had. Like they played very few games. Um, they've manipulated the fixture list, their advantage. Um, and they've spent more than anyone else in Europe and they still didn't get fourth. Um, so it just bodes really well. I just think they're a really overrated team. And like, if you look across the three seasons, like with Arteta, like it's eighth, eighth, and then hopefully fifth on Sunday. And they've scored about the same amount of goals. They've conceded about the same amount of goals. So they're sort of just treading water. So um, I'm just hoping that they continue to just trust this process um, and that he maintains uh, the job for as long as possible, basically. Yeah. And um, Neville um, was asked if, you know, if, if Arsenal fans have been told at the start of the season, oh, you'll get fifth and that represents progress. And he was like, no. This is the best chance they will ever have to get top four because of that, because they don't have any other games. That's all they've had to do. They've not been in Europe. They weren't in, they, what, they got knocked out of the FA Cup early on. They've had one game a week, basically all season. Mm. And everybody else around them has been a bit of a mess. They're never going to get a better shot. And so that represents like absolute failure, which was music to my ears. <laughs> <laughs> and um, speaking of music to, my, to our ears, I just want to point out a couple of things. So the first thing is, um, this has all been documented for Amazon, which is amazing. Um, the second thing is, in summer, they spent more than any other club in Europe. Um, so to say that they finished, I think they were six points off top four last season. They then go and spend the most money in Europe. So how can they be thinking that they're not, you know, sort of going to be challenging for top four, which a lot of their fans are trying to convince themselves they, you know, they were never in for it anyway. Um, thirdly, Arteta signed a new contract before the season finished and before it looks like he's going to chuck top four away, which is brilliant. Yeah. So I think there's like, this is all coming together at the same time. It's just, it's just absolutely brilliant. If we can get it over the line on Sunday, I feel like at the moment we're all kind of just slightly holding back on celebrating and talking about Arsenal. Can't well, quite, quite yet. right. I think, you know, we do, there's a match, there's a Premier League match that exactly. Tottenham have to, have to not lose. Right. I mean that, which we should get onto, but I think we can hopefully kind of, do a real nice Arsenal roast next week, but let's look to Norwich. Um, so I was doing a bit of research. I watched extended highlights of their <laughs> of their draw at Wolves um, before we came on tonight when we were waiting to go. Um, they were all right, you know. They had like quite a few chances, which admittedly Wolves are sort of petering off quite quite massively um, and have been very disappointing for a few weeks now, but. Pookie scored, had quite a few good other chances. Um, I was reading quotes from um, from Dean Smith. He said they went to a back five to try and counter sort of Wolves' attacking threat and felt that they were a lot tighter. They had been in previous weeks and they've been playing four at the back. Obviously, the teams that we've had trouble with lately have all played five at the back, so it might be 
you know, they might be a bit more sort of stout defensively than we might have thought. Um, I noted that Tim Krull, um, who of course put in one of the great all-time goalkeeping performances against us for Newcastle many moons ago, he's been dropped for a young keeper called Angus Gunn. Um, I'm slightly troubled by the idea of facing a goalkeeper called Gunn when we need to get something to pip Arsenal to fourth, but hopefully that'll be fine. They've got a bunch of injuries. Josh Sargent and Adam Ida, who two of their more useful forwards are out. Um, Matthias Norman and Billy Gilmore, who started in midfield on the weekend, both went off injured in that game. They both played quite well, apparently, up until that point. So maybe they'll miss. I'm saying all this, of course, they are bottom of the league for a reason. You know, you'd hope that they're just going to kind of have a go at home, which should suit us. Um, you know, I think they are apparently trying desperately not to finish bottom. They're, they're a point behind Watford, who play Chelsea away. Um, and I think there's a goal in it. I think Watford have one goal, one goal better off than Norwich. So, you know, the money you get from finishing a place up, that is some motivation for them. But, 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 we should be okay, I think. Should be okay, despite my boring stats. Um, Rosa, you had a couple of more interesting stats. Yeah, which is that um, they've scored uh, 23 goals and have conceded 79. So you would have to feel like that bodes well for us. I mean... Yeah, it's just, again, I think I'm just going to really pull my punches today because I just don't want to jinx anything. But you'd have to think that even if they set up to frustrate us, like, look, again, it just comes down to, like, what is my sort of emotional state versus what is the actual, like, objective reality of the situation, right? And, again, like, um, Neville and Carragher talking about Rob Holding and the plan that Arsenal had um, to um, deal with Sun like they had a plan but it didn't work because we have we have Sun who is an exceptional Mm. player and will hopefully win the golden boot so it's that you can you can have a plan but eventually something will have to give so that's and I think Burnley Burnley had a plan but also Burnley were playing a Spurs that played 60 hours before and I think the big difference here is that we've got a whole week to, to prepare and you know, you look at the stats for Conte teams when they've had a full week versus a quick turnaround. It's it's night and day. Um, also, they're not going to defend like Burnley did. They aren't all no. seven foot like Burnley. Burnley no. are known for being brilliant at defending and they were great on, on Sunday. And like you said, we've got a full week and I just hope like Son, Kane and Conte really want this, I think. You mm. know what it means. Yeah, and I literally just want to exactly agree with what Tom just said. Like their last home game of the season, their last Premier League game for at least a year. Um, you know, they always come back straight back up anyway, but they're not gonna sit back. What's the point of trying to draw? Like, what is the actual point? There's just no need. Like they're just probably just gonna come all guns blazing at us, just go out and like die on the sword as it is. Um, so I just think that they're not gonna sort of burnly and put 11, 10 men behind the balls. What's the point? Like they've got nothing to play for. They're not trying to, to survive, you know. They're just going to like give their fans a bit of a show. And I think that's going to play into our hands and we should really, you know, beat them quite comfortably. So I think, again, it's one of them things, it's just sort of the, the timing is quite right. Like then, you know, they've got nothing to play for. Last home game, they're going to come at us. And we, that's exactly what we want in a team to come at us. Honestly, um, if we can't beat Norwich, relegated Norwich, with all of that, you know, who's conceded seventy nine goals, it's just like, on, yeah, exactly. We don't like we just have to draw, and if we can't even do that, just like you know, fold the club. Burn to be it honest. down. Yeah, what's I actually point? quite hope we draw. Just like we were losing one 0 and then we like get a ninety third minute one all draw. That'd be that'd be my best possible day. I think I'll take that all day. I, I did. I, <laughs> I don't want I did. that stress, please. I had a brief moment of totting up how if we do draw, how many goals Arsenal would need to score. They would need to beat Everton 15-0 um, or by 15 clear goals uh, to to get it on. That would bring them level on goal, score, on goal difference, but they would get it by goal scored. I'm pretty sure that would be the start of like an actual investigation. <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> Well, that mad Bristol City game, Bristol game the other day when they had to score seven, they had to beat Scunthorpe seven 0 and then they did it. In the last yeah, game. yeah. Um, Bristol Rovers. I there is a there that. is a refereeing conspiracy against Arsenal, so maybe it's time. <laughs> we all know that. Yeah. 
a refereeing conspiracy and um, a Sky yeah. Sports scheduling conspiracy, of course, because one of the things that I've seen um, today was about um, postponing the North London derby was that it should have only been postponed for a month. So it's not it's not Arsenal's fault that they asked for it to be postponed. It's um, the scheduling, scheduling. It's the, the Premier League's fault. The for, minute um, they asked, right to the end. The minute they asked for that, they must have known the Premier League would take the opportunity to bring more jeopardy to that game. Also, of course, we didn't. We didn't want that either. You, I remember having conversations no. in our group, and you being, you know, us all just being like. I'm going to fucking kill myself if yeah. it's the last week. <laughs> also, they, this time last week, they were so excited about getting fourth at our place. Like, you know, and I know that not all Arsenal fans are like that, but so many of them were just like counting down the minutes that they could claim fourth in our backyard. Like, they, they were thrilled with that opportunity. Here we are. Can I just say, like, the, the beautiful meltdown of, like, how every single Arsenal fan has just turned into Matt Letizier over the last couple of weeks has been beautiful to witness. My favourite one currently is the fact that apparently the FA want Harry Kane to be playing Champions League football next year so that England do better in the World Cup. So they've cracked that one, definitely. So well done, Letizier, Arsenal. Well done. Um, Ash, just to you quickly... Any any cause for worry your end? I feel like you're always a good litmus test for how we should be feeling. Um, the the being a Spurs fan makes me worry, but then I've just thought that Conte is going to get two and a half million if he if he wins. So he's probably working all hours under the sun to like make sure it happens. So that's kind of calmed me down a bit. I don't know. I I think just like Son Kane. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be fine. I think it's going to be fine. Um, it's just you, we just need it like now right I think we're all just itching for it so we can like Tom said just roll into summer fire up Twitter do a big deep dive into some Arsenal fan accounts crack open a beer see you next season um, Billy any any more thoughts on Norwich for us yeah I just really want to like manifest keep manifesting song golden boots imagine if we finish yeah here, song gets the golden boot it'll be like the best day in a, in a very very long time since, oh. you know, 2018 that would just be the part you remind me back to um it's actually i saw a couple of people say it you know it could have happened again but when 2016-17 when kane scored seven goals in the last two games to like win the golden boot which he you know burning on he probably was thinking in the back of his own mind that he could beat both son and yeah. Salah. But um, I would just love to see Son win the Golden Boot and finish fourth. That would be like the best end of season ever. Um, it reminded me of that sort of whole game where I think Kane's got a hat-trick. On, like, we scored like a ridiculous amount of goals in the last two games. So that's, you know, that's the game. game Son, Golden Boot. That's the game I'm praying for. That that whole game, last game of the season at their place when they'd already gone down. We go like 3-0 up after about nine minutes or something and it was just like, just coasting and it was lovely. Um I, that's the weird thing about this match, isn't it? I could totally, I can absolutely picture us winning 6-0. And I can also imagine it being 0-0 with like 87 minutes and they get them getting a corner and me watching my soul lift from my body and <laughs> just not being able to cope with it. <laughs> and also a random stat that I saw today. If we win, then we have more points than we did the season that we lost the title race to Leicester. Which is a bit mad considering we were ninth when like Conte. We had ten over. games with Nuno. Yeah. That's insane. <laughs> is that true? That's that yeah. We'd awful. be on seventy-one points and we finished with seventy on the the Leicester season, which is nuts. Man. I think that that goes to show just how bad we were that those last few games. Like we just didn't pick up a point after. Was it only? Yeah, I, I was looking at the league table. We finished eleven points behind Leicester. Like we were, yeah, we but they like were like the stand. lowest winners, weren't they? There's like, wasn't <laughs> there like the lowest points total for um, like champions ever, basically? 11, this is, yeah, we were 11 points behind them. We were like, the, we were sort of like the last challenging team and then we managed somehow to like collapse it so bad. It will be. I am really, I'm really looking forward to us doing it. I feel like we need to do like a sort of month by month sort of season roundup, sort of four hour length like special because... There has been so much like mad shit going on this season. Like I was trying to, I was trying to cast my mind back to some of the conference league stuff. And in my, in my head, I'm like, oh, that was just all Nuno. But we lost to Mura like under Conte. <laughs> that was like a few months in. It was just we insane. Didn't, we didn't touch on that end of season awards, but watching that highlights reel of things that had happened 
this season. It was insane to remember the like all the Nuno stuff. Yeah, the Europa Conference feels like this fever dream from, from decades ago. <laughs> did uh, Nuno's face flash up on the screen? Or did yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. The United <laughs> they showed they showed two of the United goals as a sort of like. And this is where everything, you know, changed, which I thought was kind of bold, actually, to admit that, like, by losing that match, sort of the club's fortunes changed on its head. And also went, sorry, but also when the players were wandering, came out, you saw Skip and you're like, oh, yeah, shit, Skip played for us <laughs> and was really good, like, for about half the season. Tanganga was wandering around and you're like, whoa, I thought he was dead. Rodan, um, Rodan came, came on. on. Rodan came on, didn't he? <laughs> and Two games really, in a row. Yeah. What a really valuable said. header. But also, what, really I, what, what I loved about Rodon's, um, Rodon being subs on two games in a row, is it was like the first time was an insult and the second time was a compliment. It's mm. a very good point. It's a very good point. Does anyone, um, just because I'm big on, I like the end of season bit when the wives and kids come round because I'm a big softie and also because you're suddenly reminded that these people are real people with like mm. families and you, you know. And their families are often like in the crowd as we're like, yeah, sort of, you know, and often the players you them. hate and you're berating, like suddenly they've got these tiny babies in their arms <laughs> and it's really, yeah, it's really cute. Cessignon had a baby that was like maybe a month old or something. It was so small. I liked Eric Dyer came out with five kids uh, <laughs> and then had to clarify on Instagram that he's an uncle. Um, I think there's a few. I think there was quite a bit of that because I'm, I'm not Ikulu sure. had that, like a sort of retinue. Had well, had a, yeah, I'm not sure that's the Sessignon's child. I'm not 100% sure. I did a bit of a sort of scout and there's not, there was no like, here's my new baby post, which surely for your, you know, first baby. Anyway, that's a deep, a creepy deep dive into who's actually got kids and who's a very yeah, loving no, uncle. It's fine. But... That's what that, that's what this moment's for. The Sanchez's <laughs> are the cutest as well. Oh, aren't they for real? Oh, that's so Sonny, Sonny was absolutely wonderful because he kept doing. He's got, and I remember this from previous uh, laps of recognition or whatever they're called. But um, he he has like because he doesn't have kids of his own. He's sort of the fun uncle whenever, and he kind of goes around and plays with the kids and whatever. Two things I picked up from his latest uh, sort of fun uncling was the eldest Kane daughter just was absolutely not interested in <laughs> I think he tried to like do a fist bump or something and she just like hid behind her mum's legs and was like oh I don't want to do it and secondly he did he did one trick with a few of the really small kids where he sort of held them was playing with them a bit and then sort of held his back as if like oh I've hurt my back because I'm having to lift the child up here you have to give them back um but love I just want one day hopefully Sonny will you know, have his own gorgeous little kids. It'd be wonderful if his dad lets him. <laughs> um, any other views from, uh, any other thoughts from the lap of Yeah, I think my favourite thing about those apps usually, but we didn't really get it this year. It's like the, the body language experts, oh, like yeah. analysing the type of wave that the players are doing. Is it like, is it a good buy wave? Or is it just a normal wave? Or is it like a happy wave? And we didn't really have it this year because like it's, it's pretty much nailed on that most of our star players are staying like, like the Kane thing is like compared to this time last year it's totally died down but I remember, course, my, yeah, I remember the Villa my two last biggest year. ones were like Modric and Bale like on their peak seasons like everyone was going what kind of degree angle was his hand at when he was waving was it like a goodbye to like everyone <laughs> was it just like a goodbye to see you next season what was going on <laughs> like the analysis of like Modric and Bale's waves um, but this year we didn't really get that which is a bit sad so I don't like think a classic end of season thing. I don't think you needed really a body language expert to read that like Bergwine seemed uh, particularly sheepish about mm. I, I think I think he probably felt awkward about getting goal of the season and you know only scoring two goals both in that in that match. It felt like he was definitely off and I think it looked like Gallini also was probably like oh, this is it take some photos bye. Yeah, yeah, there'll be a few we won't see ever again. I thought I, I enjoyed thought how Marine. I liked how Marine Larice was just very over it. She's just like, I've been, I've been here now for like a hundred years. I just can't be bothered anymore. <laughs> she was like proper briskly walking around the like pitch. They the the, the Larices did it in like twelve seconds and were basically done. It's like we don't need to do this anymore. Come on, it's raining. That was the other thing. It was pouring with rain. Those poor kids. Like they've all probably it got took chest quite infections. A while, 
in the south stand they as they sort of came out and they were stood in the middle really awkwardly for ages yeah and i was like oh please go the way so you'll go do the south stand first and then loop back around and they didn't and it really took forever didn't it they were standing in the center circle for so long i started to become worried that the go compare man was going to come out um <laughs> that was that was my big fear <laughs> speaking of culture such as the co-confer man, we should do a very Very quick round-up. Yeah, that was (laughs) probably my best link of the season, right? Um, We should uh, do some very quick culture picks. Um, We'll be be lightning fast. Um, Ash, you can go first. Sorry. I'm really happy that you came to me first because I've only listened to one album, which is Kendrick Lamar. And I was really worried that someone else would pick it. So, um, <laughs> yeah, that's the only thing I've listened to. I've listened to about a hundred times. Um, it's really difficult, I think, like at first, but um, it's a really good record. There's about a million producers on it. Um, the video that came out like a couple of days ago is great. And I'm like, I already have an alarm set for Thursday at 10 a.m. to buy tickets mm. for the tour. Um I, lo- I love the fact that Tom is now setting his alarm. Um, so, yeah, it's a great album and I really recommend it. It's awesome. And, like, yeah, I think it's been, like, five years since the last one. So, yeah, hopefully he doesn't um, take this long next time. I'm kind of annoyed you've um, tipped off everyone that's listening to set alarms for 10 a.m. to uh, we'll just delay it. We'll just delay the podcast till Friday. Just to 10, yeah. 10, 10 zero 01 on Thursday morning. Um, cool. Rosa, your pick? Yeah, I don't really have much either. I'd listened to the Kendrick album a few times and then I finished High Fidelity, which I talked about last week, which, like, now I've finished it. I, like, I'm even more baffled as to how it got cancelled. I don't like, I don't really know what people want. It was really funny and heartfelt and Zoe Kravitz was really great in it and everybody else was good in it and it had, like, really good music. I just, I'm a bit like, you know, it just feels a bit like pearls before swine. What's wrong with everyone? So um, I enjoyed that and I'm also annoyed about it. Um, and I also enjoyed the new Burner Boy track, which has a sample from um, my queen, Tony Braxton, on it. So that's just, you know, I'm obviously going to love it. Um, and that's it really from me. Yeah. Totally just, honestly it's just been like there's just been too much football hasn't there like for me anyway I feel like I tried to kind of sit down I was going to watch something else on Monday night and I like physically couldn't do it so I just sort of walked around my flat basically checking my phone well that's kind of that's what I did we started to watch conversations with friends um which a just seems to be like something I'm not going to commit to it just seems like a really poor sort of normal people and they've tried to recreate that but there's just no chemistry between the, any of the actors and it just seems off to me um and then also we've tried to get into the staircase um sort of based on the kind of infamous uh like supremely long documentary that's i think still on netflix um this has got colin firth and uh tony collette tom you've been watching that as well right yeah, we've watched the first two and I liked the documentary and this is a fairly faithful recreation of the documentary, although the meta thing is that you see the documentary crew turn up to mm. make the documentary. Um, so that's quite interesting. Colin Firth's good. Tony Collette is, is good. It's got an amazing cast, but it hasn't like fully grabbed me yet. But I'm only same. Kidding. Yeah, same. I do think, yeah, I was trying to sort of half watch these things whilst also keeping tabs on Newcastle Arsenal, which was not going to happen. Um, so yeah, that was my, I really like the smiles album, which feels basically like a new Radiohead album that came out on Friday to sort of almost zero fanfare because of Kendrick, but that's pretty good. Also become a bit obsessed with Portugal's Eurovision entrance. Um, song called, uh, Sudade Sudade, which I believe translates to something like, sort of longing, melancholy, or nostalgia. I looked it up. It's really nice, that one. It's really lovely. Any of vibes, you said, Tom. Very ethereal. Mm, Uh, Definitely ethereal. Obviously, my favourite was Spain, um, which is just like a banging Latin pop song. Yeah, could have been a Rosalia song, yeah. Yeah, and there were amazing dancers, and the girl was very pretty. Um, But yeah, going back to my, my lovely Portugal song, it's by an artist called Maro. 
um, who I've since sort of through researching stuff, does a lovely little line in kind of electronic folk. Um, and yeah, it's really gorgeous. That song has gone on to my, uh, my grain bangers playlist that I, uh, put on when I'm feeling a bit sore of head. Um, anyway, that's me. Uh, Tom, do you want to, anything else you want to talk about? No, I've been enjoying the Kendrick album too. Uh, there's a really good Vulture review, which just came out. Uh, oh yeah. I saw just... people talking about this. Why is it so good? Um, it's by, I think it's Craig Jenkins, the writer. Um, and he just picks it apart brilliantly. Like Kendrick's clearly on a self-help meditative, um, uh, psychotherapy kind of, um, or rather straight therapy vibe. Uh, and it, yeah, it picks it apart really well. And even says what I liked is it says like there's bangers in there, but they're kind of like something you'd expect Drake to make but then slowed <laughs> down by about a third, basically. Like all the, the, the kind of bumping hip hop beats that are on there are still sort of sluggish and slow in a good way. Anyway, it's a really good review. So I've been enjoying Kendrick. Also love that Burner Boy track. And I've just been loving Derry Girls on Channel 4, the final series. That show has so much heart, uh, an amazing soundtrack, lots of like Eternal and E17. Uh, the cast and are incredible and I think it's Lisa McGee who writes it the writing is like perfect and it's just amazing for anyone who's about my age which is 37 and grew up in the 90s um, bonus points the, the finale I think. yeah <laughs> the finale went out tonight right like as we're recording yeah, the final the episode one. but like yeah it's been so so good I mean I guess there as is the way with teenage dramas, we've talked Dawson's Creek before. Uh, they've all reached like their late 20s, so they can't continue to play 16-year-olds, sadly. Some of them are in their 30s. We, we looked it up, it's mad. Um, the Nicola Coughlin, who plays Claire, is 32, 33, I think. Um, but she she's incredible. She missed a couple of episodes, I presume, because she was in the US filming Bridgerton. But yeah, on Bridgerton yeah. duties. And I saw the third, the third season. Through. The third season of Bridgerton is going to focus on her character. So she's, I think she's going to become massive. Got a feeling she's going to really blow up. Never um, did Bridgerton. Should I bother? Um, we actually haven't finished the second season after sort of wolfing down the first one. Um, we en- we enjoyed it in a sort of like bit of a palate cleanser from a lot of the you know here's another murdered woman sort of dramas that you end up sort of watching um sometimes it can get quite grim so yeah I'd, i think you'd like it rose I'd, I'd be keen to know your thoughts at the very least because i feel like it could be something you're really into or you could yeah, absolutely it's a sort of weird thing where i feel like i i meant to watch it and then i just and then i sort of didn't and then but i also like i, I refuse to watch like downton i can't stand any of that stuff but it's not oh, it's anywhere not near. It's in, not in uh, that kind of like wheelhouse, is it at all? So. No, not at all. Because yeah. I, yeah, I, I can't watch Downton. It's too sort of earnest and po-faced. Whereas this has a bit more fun with itself, I think. Mm. Um, Billy, round us off with your pick, please. Yeah, because I've been, I've been away for weeks. I haven't like, like, in like the middle of nowhere of like ninety kids. I haven't. I'm a bit behind on everything. So. Um, yeah, I haven't really listened to the Kendrick album yet. I was doing some work on like Sunday night when I got back from the football and um, I tried to put it on while I was doing the work. I was like, I can't, I can't concentrate yeah. on these two things at once. So I need to like dedicate some time to that. Um, I know this, if you're asking this question this time next week, it's probably going to be the film Everything Everywhere All at Once, which I haven't actually seen yet, um, which I'm seeing next week, which I'm really looking forward to. So it will, probably will eventually be that. Um, but so I'm just going to recommend like two tracks that I've been listening to this week. They're both from producers in Scotland. Um, one is from a Scottish duo called LF System. It's called So Do You. They make a lot of this like, they like flip a lot of disco records and turn them into house records. Um, this has got a really good sample. It's called um, So Do You by LF System. And also just check them out because they're going to, I think they're going to be really big in the next few years. Um, they're just like a duo from Scotland, started off as DJs. And then another one is a female producer from Scotland called Sally C, who has got a really good track called Downtown. So yeah, just big up Scotland. Um, that's what I've been listening to this week, really. But I do think like, <clears throat> I don't know if you guys have seen um, the chat that there's like these two random multiverse films that have come out at the same time, Doctor Strange and Everything Everywhere All at Once. But a lot of people who have seen them both say that 
everything everywhere all at once is the like far superior film um it looks really really good so i'm definitely looking forward to seeing that next week and doesn't it have like um jamie lee curtis in it who's basically like like done a whole like twitter campaign that basically compares like the budget of, of their film with like the budget of doctor strange or like every single marvel movie and she's like oh this is so much better but it looks amazing i'm excited to see it billy obviously next week we're going to be talking about obi-wan kenobi Yes, of course, of course. Got be, yeah, I mean, we haven't really had a Doctor Strange chat either, so... No, because I haven't I, had a chance yeah, to see it yet, so, yeah, yeah exactly. I need to make got, some time. I've got quite a lot to say about it, so, yeah. 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 But um, I think, but apparently, everything ever all at once does the multiverse thing much, much better than Doctor Strange 2. But I won't say anything about that yet, because we'll, me and Rose will talk about that soon, I'm sure. Very yeah, cool. I'm sure. Um, Everyone's super excited for that. <laughs> maybe this is, maybe this summer, is the summer I get into Marvel and can join in a bit with this. Um but You're only like, like 26 films behind, so don't worry. Yeah. Like I mean, 20, there'll be no football. There's no international tournaments. <laughs> yeah, easy peasy. Um, right, we covered a lot there, and um, we'll all chat on the other side, everyone. Fingers crossed, Spurs do not do anything ridiculous. Um, thanks ever so much for listening, everyone. Um, Tom, Rosa, Billy, Ash, thank you so much for your company as always. Um, Billy, see you at home, please. Uh, I just want to say up the tune, uh, up human rights, and up the spurs. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.